Good news, everyone. <laughs> you have been hearing an ad for a while now saying if we pumped up our Patreon to $500 a month, we would give you a whole bonus show. And you did it like a while ago. And I just haven't changed the ad. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> consider this an update. Congrats. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I'm replacing that ad with this one. And this one is just a little clip show to get your whistle wet for this month's extra bonus episode of uh, Mama Tried. And that'll come out as soon as we get $1,000. That'll come out as soon Yeah, we're holding <laughs> this one hostage. Nah, 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 nah. But I did want to remind y'all, if we do hit 750, our goal is to release two episodes of that a month. But without any further ado, mm-hmm. here's a couple of clips. Get hyped. Gunvar is going to watch Martin go investigate the door and yeah. think to himself, that motherfucker is going to get attacked by a ghost and I'm going to get blamed for that too. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Did I... What did I... What did I do? And with glee, he's like, yes, one more. <laughs> and he starts scuffing it out and he saves like one last little bit. And then he uh, jumps ass first onto it and erases <laughs> it with a butt. He's looking straight ahead, but it, it, and it would be difficult for you to know if he is just looking straight ahead, watching where he's going, looking straight ahead, like avoiding your gaze because he feels awkward about what he's going to say, looking straight ahead because there's Gunvar's fucking back. <laughs> you wake to the feel of sunlight warming your face. Oh, God. Oh, oh so bright. As a well-known sense of aching dread rolls from your temples to your stiffened limbs. Don't say it's my mom. Familiar. I'm not my mother's child. I can handle it. I had too much. Listening to Astronomica, brought to you by Astrocynical's Hornimum. Oh, hello there. Didn't see you come in. I was just about to start watching porn and jerking off. <laughs> That'd be a little awkward right now, seeing as you're here, so guess I might as well curb things down a bit with Hornimum. Hornimum by Astrocynical Pharmaceuticals. If you, like me, have An outsized, insatiable libido, like a cowboy that's been on the trail for three months with nothing more enticing than the south end of a northbound steer. You can consume a patented mix of saltpeter and SSRIs from AstroCynical. Horn them! Get it a little softer, or a little drier, or whatever you got down there. (laughs) That's a great product. Man. Thanks. Good work. Uh, I'm have, certainly uh, less horny, so you did a <laughs> good yeah. job. It worked. It was, it was because we made eye contact. <laughs> we were locked the eyes time. the whole time. Yep. Uh, <clears throat> welcome to Chatstronomica 5. 
fuck? We've, we've done, done five of these yeah, things? Yeah, this is number five. No, we've done four. We're yeah. doing five. No. Oh, shit. We've yeah. done four. We're doing... Okay, yep. well, that feels better for some reason. Mm. Okay. We uh, we have recently concluded a major narrative arc where um, everyone except Anton died. <laughs> <laughs> no one saw that coming. Right. It was a surprise narrative arc ending also. Yeah, yeah. yeah we we yeah. actually kind of tricked ourselves. Yeah. Congratulations. Um, and that's why we weren't so comprehensively prepared. Yeah. Yeah. But I do feel like it is uh, incumbent upon us to say that it was a narrative arc that was more than usually pregnant with consequence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Major, uh, major forces that have been present since episode one have departed, but may return. And mm-hmm. in keeping with the dignity of this, uh, this moment, this you know, tipping point in our uh, narrative. We've brought in a heavy hitter to MC tonight. <laughs> a yeah. ringer. A ringer to MC Chastronomica. Ladies and gentlemen, are you, please welcome. Are you okay with your full name? With, you what, with my full name? Yeah. Well, do you know my full name? Well, your person last name. <laughs> your name's Christopher Scott McCoy. That's my full name. Nice. Christopher right. Scott McCoy is not ashamed to be here. Nice. <laughs> he is letting the world know. That's hey, a, Chris. That's a great change of pace. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome aboard. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. I love Stars Without Numbers. I used to play pre-pandemic uh, yeah. with y'all. and uh, You played in both of my pre-podcast Stars Without Number campaigns. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I say my. I was in, I mean, mine and Colin's. Those those campaigns. You are one of the things that made Stars Without Number magical mm-hmm. to all present. Well, thank you. I'm going to try and uh, and do the same. All right. Or at least ask you guys some questions. Are we doing the questions? Uh, we are in a little bit. Yeah, okay. we're going to do some questions. Uh, let's get things uh, warmed up. Let's get a little loosey-goosey. Hey, uh, no, 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 no. Let's introduce Chris more. Okay. <laughs> You guys keep you guys keep going, Dude, Chris. <laughs> yeah, th- this is in keeping with uh, a tradition that we started, uh, that we've done one time before <laughs> with that's, Katrina. That's how yeah, things this go. is called. This this is now a tradition because it's the second time. Yeah, exactly. So you're you're emceeing um, mm-hmm. this uh, Chastronomica, Chastronomica, because mm-hmm. you're going to be our uh, guest player in yes. the next arc. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. And you played in my first Stars of That Number campaign. You played Doctor McCoy. Right. It was Dr. McCoy because I rolled up a physician. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like to do like random, like the the, the rules say, you know, and uh, I envisioned Dr. McCoy as literally like, you know, the uh, uh, 70s McCoy from the, the um, uh, motion picture, you know, right. he's yes. got like all the hair and the big beard and he's uh-huh. like, you transport me, Arg, are you? <laughs> you know, uh, you know that, was, that was pretty much how I played that, yeah. you know. I, yeah. I, my name's McCoy and, you know, I've been... I I I kind of thought it's like maybe I should get a PhD, you know, just so I can really be Doctor McCoy. But right. then I then I like no, <laughs> I shouldn't do that. It'd be great if you were a medical doctor named Doctor McCoy and you showed up to appointments in a Star Trek uniform. <laughs> that would gonna, be amazing. Yeah, really. Well, they'll be like, we're going to get the good, we're going to get good healthcare. Yeah, you yes. know, obviously, because yeah. you're from the future. Mm. Yeah, you know, they're like, turns out. No matter what's wrong with me, he can wave like a little gizmo with like LEDs that goes and like you're fucking cured. Yeah, as what's long the, as you have the copay. As long yeah. as you have the copay. What's no, the there's no there's no money in the future. Yeah. It's, it's cool. What's the thing in Star Trek Four, The Voyage Home, mm-hmm. when they return to Earth in the nineteen eighties to save the whales, mm-hmm. uh 
and Dr. McCoy goes to a 1980s American hospital, and there's somebody on a gurney, and they have something, and I can't remember what it was. It's like, uh, maybe, I, I don't know, they have cancer, say. And he walks up, and he's like, what's wrong with you? And they're like, ah, I've got cancer. And he's, he gives them two pills, and he's like, it's fucking barbarians. <laughs> it's great. Butchers. Yeah. Man, I fucking love that movie. Yeah. Star Trek Four. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's and great. Star Trek Four. you know, really, the, the first four are great. Mm-hmm. All, all of them are good. Yeah, I disagree with the, um, is it the odd number curse, or the even numbers are great? Yeah. No, I, I mean, uh, maybe we just, we're just, you know, huge nerds. So yeah, that's yeah, what we like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but the first one I was reading a and let me tell you I'm a uh I'm a writer and when I'm not doing this I'm a writer and a filmmaker and I'm a film critic for the Memphis Flyer. Mm-hmm. Uh but uh and musician too but we want to talk about that. <laughs> but the but um I recently read that the director uh Robert Wise of of uh Star Trek the Motion Picture they were he was so rushed that literally the the last reel was still wet when they when they were showing it in the premiere and he was like this is not how this movie is supposed to go that's why it felt so long and right. and you know mm-hmm. boring he's like this is not like they left the the what's called the the ends in so <laughs> like the editor was supposed to go back and take out like the beginning and the ends of some scenes to like tighten it up a little bit right right you know but he was like we didn't even have time to do that so right. that's why it felt so long and he's like they he finally got to get a and I think he was producer, like even Robert Rise was dead, and the producer was still like, "We're gonna get this cut, man. <laughs> right? Yeah, you know." But the cut that's circulating now is like, you know, it's much better. Yeah, I'm sure. Spock, Spock cries. I mean, you still have the uh, the weird long shots of the Enterprise where it's like they were just excited to have a movie budget, right? Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. and yeah. They, everybody. Well, you know, then they wanted to be two thousand one mm-hmm. too, so it was like, you know, let's let's look like that. But yeah. anyways. That's well, for 2001, they were still writing the script when they were showing the yeah. premiere. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cut 20 minutes out of that movie after the premiere. Yeah. And and that premiere was so disastrous that Stanley Kubrick left. He, had, he grew up in New York, lived in New York, and he left New York after the premiere, and he never came back. He <laughs> wow. moved, moved to England, and he never came back to America. Man. Holy shit. <laughs> That's how bad that premiere was. <laughs> That's oh, way better than what happened with Roman Polanski. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, he he didn't come back for another reason. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I'm sorry, loyal listeners, uh, to let you know that we've brought a huge nerd onto our actual play, <laughs> science fiction role-playing podcast. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's not one of the cool dudes that you're used to hearing. <laughs> um, yeah. Speaking of people you're used to hearing, uh, Kristen could not be with us tonight uh, because she is basking in prenuptial glow, and also think, the flu is going I thought today. she was protesting Chris McCoy's inclu- inclusion. Oh, that's right. Well, you know, a little bit from column A. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I feel like there is every reason to believe. Ah, fuck, we're doomed. No, <laughs> we're not going to get through this without Kristen. Yeah. <laughs> um, are we even recording? We are. It Look, the, like, wa- yeah, okay. the, the, the wavy things are uh, going across the screen. I'm so. keeping an eagle eye on that waveform. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, why don't you guys answer some questions? Ask us um, some questions. Okay. Well, let's loosen up. Let's uh, let's let's give uh, let's give a little back to the people and let's read some shout outs if we uh, if we could. Um, these are folks that have written in uh, who have submitted questions, but they've also given us some things that projects that they are working on or are interested in uh, and want us to shout them out. So awesome. 
I'll start it off and then I'll pass it around. Uh, Joshi Mnemonic uh, is, has the High Tech Low Life podcast, a cyberpunk retrospective podcast by Josh and Eric, the sequel to Johnny Mnemonic, a podcast which definitely exists. And I can say, having listened to all uh, 90-something minutes of the Johnny Mnemonic podcast, it's great to go back and listen to. Um, but the uh, this discussion... Uh, the extra diegetic discussion is actually kind of even the high point, so whatever they do is going to be worth a listen. This one's just for you. Oh. Hey. I feel the love. Yeah. Moosenstein, Torn, Tom. Tom, Moosenstein, Tom, Leaf to the Tulipwood Gang. Uh, if you like Ives' excellent tulip, Tulipwood one-shots, there is a good chance you'll like the Shrimp and Crits uh, Mo TW pod. Did I say uh, that right? Yeah, Monster of the Week. Monster of the Week pod. Okay. Uh, can confirm that's a good one. That's why we brought in Chris McCoy, an expert, okay. yeah, an expert on reading things from paper. Yeah, let well, me you, let me uh, chime in here to say, Kristen's famously uh, Kristen's a hard worker. She's famously lazy with the chastronomic editing. So, <laughs> yeah, this is probably all going to stay in unless one of us accidentally like advocates for genocide. Yeah, which it's not my turn yet. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I right, was passing this around. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is from Baron Helm. Uh, check out my painted miniatures and RPG terrain on Instagram at Baron Helm. B A E R N Helm. So yeah, check it out. I'll check, check it, out. it the fuck is out. That a dot- it's Baron Helm. Is that a dot gov? Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. At Baron Helm dot gov <laughs> on Instagram. On Instagram. On Instagram. Okay. <laughs> it's not really a dot gov. <laughs> Bryce Rowland. My friend at Bryce Leak on Instagram is a really talented tattoo artist based in Indianapolis who loves doing body art for geeks that want a Ninja Turtle or video game character on their body. You know who you are. Yeah. Fucking A. Bryce Rowland. Is that hey. Bryce, Bryce with an I? It's Bryce with a P. Price. Well, I mean the, the username he wants us to shout out. Oh, oh yeah. At Bryce Leak on Instagram. Actually, yeah. Hang on. I did that poorly. It is at B R I C E L E E K. I don't know radio call signs. Um, <laughs> Bravo, I think that would... Roger, Indigo, Charlie, I, uh, Echo. I need to. I need to just like sit down and memorize those one day. Yeah, I um, got those right. I think I did. I'll just say, this is the first time I'm seeing this uh, thing, so I'm sorry that I haven't looked at this stuff, but I'm super excited, and I'm going to look at all this stuff. Um, Gord Parent says, yes, exclamation point. If anyone likes drum and bass or jungle music, I've been creating some bangers while I travel New Zealand. They can be found at Gord Parent on SoundCloud, colon, close parentheses. Which I, I'm led to understand. <laughs> that's a smiley face. That's an expression of human joy. Yeah. Uh, I like both of those genres of music. And Fuck yeah. I have had a sneak peek into these answers, and I can say, that's good shit. So all of you should go listen to it. Go right. listen to it. Uh, Artie Azura. Hey, Artie. 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 Uh, Artie shouts out, The White Goat on YouTube. They are a small channel, less than 100 subscribers, doing good gaming videos, including a Cannibal Cult Rimworld playthrough. Play Seems like a good dude. 
I bet we can bump those numbers up by at least Four. 1%. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll uh, definitely get one view out of me. I'm yeah. going to check it out. Shit, yeah. Okay, where are we? White uh, go right. This Dale. is from Dale. Uh, I have made a fantasy setting, Elgar. It is quite expansive in scope. I have written about 28,000 words. My will learn. As a professor writer, that's a lot of words. I can say that. Uh, 28,000 words describing the setting and how it functions, and it is compatible with WWN and D&D 5E. It is a good reference document, and I think it is neat. Nice. Nice. That's a lot of writing, Dale. That is a lot of writing. Uh, Dale. Please let us know where we can find that, yeah. and uh, we'll shout it out in the intro next time. Yeah, I'm going to steal two times all your now. shit. Or three times from now. All right. This one is from Shovel. My grandmother, a lifelong writer and educator, recently self-published an illustrated children's book called Parsley, containing her own poetry that's really beautiful. If anyone listening is a three-to-eight-year-old... <laughs> Turn this podcast off immediately. See a clinical psychologist and then DM me on Discord at uh, Reggie Slide. Uh, that's Reggie, R E G G I E S L I D E. And I'll send you a copy of her book at cost, which is $8. Nice. Hell yeah. So, can I go Shovel's grandma? Can I confess yeah. that I never knew Shovel was Reggie Slide? And I've loved both shovel and Reggie Slide separately. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. I feel like that's twice the love. Yeah. yeah. Which is deserved. Yeah. And last but not least, this is the last one. There's not an extra page. That is the last that is that up before. one of one pages. Yeah. From the Throg. Previously Johnny Naminit's podcast, soon to be high tech low life podcast. A cyberpunk media retrospective. From the Throg. Nice. The Throg. Um, High tech, low life podcast. That's a great name. Oh, uh, and if you're looking to connect with them on Twitter to get updates about when that podcast will come out, it's at Johnny sixty seconds six zero. But everything else spelled out. That's what they call me. <laughs> There's a song about it. They don't put the zero in there. Sixty seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, and I just wanted to say, it's. Uh, I think it's very in keeping with Artie uh, shouting out somebody else's project. Yeah. Uh, Artie, you're a good egg. We like he's, having he's, you around. He's, he's, Hell yeah. He's good people. You yeah. might be the best egg. Artie, I'm going to fry you up uh, like over medium and put you on some toast with a lot of salt, salt and pepper. You know what? Lately, as much as I love eggs over medium, I've moved away from it in a restaurant setting because, mm. you know, it's too unpredictable. Yeah. If you ask someone to scramble eggs medium with cheese, you know what you're getting. But your your over medium egg might just be a slimy mess. Yeah, tragic. Or a, a rubbery hockey puck. Or a rubbery hockey puck. I, counterpoint: If there's hash browns, if yeah. there's hash browns, I like a, I like a runny egg with yeah. hash browns. Fucking, mm. I mean, I I like a runny egg. I don't like a slimy gelatinous like they didn't cook it right. Egg. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Albumin must be solid. Mm-hmm. Yolk yolk runny albumin solid. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Artie knows what we're talking about. Artie yeah. knows what we're talking about because he's a good egg. Yeah. So he is very acquainted with eggs. Zero that runniness in poached. Artie's albumin. <laughs> uh, all right. All right. So we've made it through the shout outs. Uh, now we promised uh, the people that filled out the forum that we would also read statements verbatim that they have submitted to us. Suitable for <laughs> ringtones, I, I believe. Uh, possibly, depending on how we nail it. Or for... Blackmail. Yes. According to my list, which is um, very <laughs> damning. So Stan has a whole bunch. Uh, Colin and Colin have a few. I have a few. And then uh, we have some random ones. So I'm just going to 
uh, pass it around and everybody can draw one to read. Right. right. All right. Should I uh, just go through all mine? Sure. Go for it. At once. Okay, here we go. From Chaos Ride. Um, I, don't, I, I don't have any um, notes from the director, so I'm just going to... Uh, that dang turtle deserved it. <laughs> I don't get the reference. Uh, one of the questions... Uh, oh, yes. and Oh, right. Subsequent to the uh, Chatronomica... That's why I flipped the turtle over. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That dang turtle deserved it. Uh, if, if there is time after... If we actually make it through all the questions, and if there's time, then I'll read some of the um, free response to the uh, uh, multiple choice questions that were peppered in as jokes. Um, and then uh, the frog gave me one that's, uh, you know, I say this um, under duress. <laughs> you know, I've been thinking, and I've determined that Ayn Rand actually made some very valid arguments. <laughs> <laughs> All right, oh. Kristen. Oh. Kristen, the edit point goes right before. <laughs> um, Katrina. Uh-oh. row. Katrina wants to hear me speak the fifth verse of Courtesy of the Red, White, and Blue, which is included here. I've printed those lyrics for your convenience. (laughs) Justice will be served and the battle will rage. The big dog will fight when you rattle his cage. And you'll be sorry you messed with the U.S. of A. Because we'll put a boot up your ass. It's the American way. (laughs) You know, I actually like that a lot better than Toby Keith's version. <laughs> yeah, well, it's hard to do worse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and from Bradley, he wants me to... Uh, let you, me have, you, have, you have two ways you could go with this. Yeah, yeah. I could uh, read it verbatim, which I won't, because it includes direction. Um, first of all, Bradley, I'm so proud of you. Bradley, we're all very, very proud of you. Hey, is this the ambassador from Kentucky? Let's yes. go, yep. Bradley. Yeah. We are very proud of you, Bradley. Bradley is the young man who at Nerd Camp yeah. I slept with. Oh, right, <laughs> right, yeah. That. By which I mean on the same sectional sofa. Co-slept. Co-slept. And whom I provided with a dish a towel, towel for warmth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And did you spoon? No. Uh, but I do think I kicked him in the head a few times. <laughs> they, they he denied it, but I think it happened. That, that's called. That's not spooning. That's knifing. Yeah. Uh, and he asked me to say uh, something, which is a reference to um, on the Discord. <laughs> we like to play party games on like usually on Friday and Saturday nights. Yep. Uh, we do like Jackbox games and Rift Tracks and Guardic Phone. We have a lot of fun with that, and you should come join us. Um, but this is a reference to a riff tracks bit that he fucking like murdered everybody with. Yeah. <clears throat> Bandit fucked my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, that wasn't he said sad. That wasn't sad enough. That was more of a statement of fact. I think you were recapturing the original robo voice that yeah. got the riff tracks. Yeah. Um Bandit guys, fucked my wife. <laughs> um I called you all here to let you know that Bandit fucked my wife. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, That's all I've got. All right. Uh, so I think the random think. random scripts are going around. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm just buzzed for no reason. It like buzzed and there wasn't like a notification or like anything. 
It just decided to vibrate. Here, it felt I'll, like I'll you weren't paying enough attention to it. No, it's very. I'm not. Uh, actually, I don't know how I feel about that. I'm going to give this one to you too because I've got. <laughs> All right. Uh, proceeding. So uh, I have been assigned in absentia. Grumpus actually assigned this to Kristen, but it was in the glow baby voice, uh, so I'm going to steal it. Um, <clears throat> you shall feel my wrath on the day my true form is revealed. And Dale said, you'll know who to select, and I think he meant me. Metric is better. <laughs> nice. That was very, that was very Jeff. And I could say as, as a, like a professional mechanic... Anything that isn't metric can suck a giant dick. <laughs> it's the worst. Like if you get a car in the shop that's like pre like like late eighties and you have to bust out the like standard tools and you're just like I've got like three wrenches of various sizes and none of these fit anything. Like it's the worst. I wish that the Imperial went entirely like all in and it was just like Measurements were just called like King's Thumb. <laughs> <laughs> Futharks. Yeah. All right. Uh, Do you have a King's Thumb wrench? So, uh, no, but I've got a one one hundredth cubit. Nice. <laughs> How many rods to the hogshead does this uh, <laughs> car get? I don't know, but it's uh, about 14 a butt. Nice. Uh, okay, so I think. Cullen has an assigned one, and Colin has an assigned one, and well, then there are well, there there are <laughs> there two, are two that, to were, fight that are either or. Yeah. yeah. Um, so so you ask, pick the one you want, and I'll do the well, one. Well, that I was going to would you prefer to do a Sean Connery voice or a like flowery poetic voice? I can do either one. What would you prefer, motherfucker? Just pick. All right, we're gonna we're gonna flip a coin. Yeah, roll a die. We're roll yeah. a die. All right, um, roll a d two. Let's say <laughs> uh, if. I roll high, I'll do Sean Connery. Okay. One. I I rolled low, so I have to read a tongue twister poem. Yeah, but when you get to the end, you'll see why you've actually won. I I, I read it already. Okay. Okay. Ready to go. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and knock that one out. Who's this? Who who requested it? This is from Prince Rowland. All right. I have to practice my poetic voice. Is it fair to smell thy neighbor's hair unaware, or to declare that hair so rare be ne'er shared with my nostrils air? Au contraire, I cullen smell my roommate's hair. Uh, and I read that in order to win the title of King of the House. Nice. You are so, King of the House. Yeah. Good work. Good. Now you, you get uh, Artie's. Artie. I'm going to do that my was best brilliant. for you. Brilliant. <laughs> I'm glad I made it through that. That was, <laughs> that was lyrical. <laughs> I'm glad Kristen added that, that to make it sound like you did it in one take. <laughs> it was I that fucked the turkey last Thanksgiving, and I'm damn glad I did, too. <laughs> That's a solid connery, my friend. That's pretty good. Really Thanks. Who, I mean, who, I, who asked for that? Artie Azura, uh, right, digital right. quartermaster, friend of the pod, and all around good stand-up egg. good egg. You really nailed the Spaniard accent he did in <laughs> I know, right? Well, but the, the thing is, the thing, if you're going to do that right, you have to also remember that he's not Spanish, he's Egyptian. Uh, if you're going to do that Spanish okay. accent right. Yeah. Now a, it makes sense. A Scottish actor playing in a Spanish guy from Egypt. If you can just... That's yeah. how you get that. It's a, it's a, a Scottish guy playing an Egyptian doing a Spanish accent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And you can tell it's not a Scottish accent by the flawless Scottish accent delivered by Christopher Lambert. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Hello, I am from Scotland. 
Yeah. Oh, man. <clears throat> Mama Millipede asked for uh, one of us at random mm-hmm. and got me <clears throat> to say, and this is true, I'm proud of myself. Yeah. And everyone in the room. Oh. Yeah. Everyone? Everyone in the room. Everyone? Everyone in the room. <laughs> what about the, like, nine-tenths empty thing of Chex Mix with a hat on it. Are you proud of that as well? I'm proud of us in the room because it's not 100% <laughs> Yeah, look at, look at how good we did. You uh, you make a convincing case, actually. Yeah. We did, <clears throat> we did the Lord's work there. Yep. Yeah, uh, thanks again, Kristen, for bringing your giant tub-o Midwestern Chex Mix. Terrain. Mm-hmm. Shit was fire. That. It was fire. <clears throat> uh, I've got a random one from Crystal Eggstot. Uh, hey, Crystal Eggstadt. I'm going to read this in my poetic voice. Nowadays, everybody want to talk like they got something to say, <laughs> but nothing comes out when they move their lips. Just a bunch of gibberish. And motherfuckers act like they forgot about Dre. <laughs> <laughs> they do. <clears throat> Man. Okay, I have one. From... Uh, Moosenstein, Tom, Leaf to the Tulipwood Gang. Got it right that time. Nailed it. Nice. Hell yeah. <laughs> I am a good person who is worthy of the love I receive in my life. Oh, nice. Actually, uh, you were probably the only person in this room that could read that, and I wouldn't, like, vomit into my <laughs> own, <laughs> into my shirt. So yeah. that really worked out. Yeah. Well, I didn't mean it. <laughs> <laughs> um... This is from Gord Parent, and I'm kind of sorry, Gord Parent, I got this one since I have like the the least established character voice. <laughs> but um, gotta pretend to be Anton. Go on, get it. And I'm never gonna dance again. Guilty feet have got no rhythm. Though it's easy to pretend I know you're not a fool. So was, I thought that was great. <laughs> Solid. That was very good. Yeah, it's a better character voice. By the than way, I do in the actual show. There is a great version of that song. That uh, there was a Ben Folds did a tour, uh, and Rufus Wainwright was the opening act. <laughs> oh, and when he did Careless Whisper, uh, surprising the audience, Rufus Wainwright came back out to do the duet. Oh, that's it was, pretty sick. It was, sounds it's amazing. pretty Ooh, great. You reminded me of a thing, and not to derail us too much, but surprisingly, from a band that I genuinely like actively disliked, which is Disturbed, mm-hmm. um. Their cover of the fucking Sound of Silence, their Simon and Garfunkel cover, oh, yeah. is like legit good. Nice. Yeah. I mean, it's a good song. So, you know, like approach it honestly and you'll probably come up with a pretty good cover. Mm-hmm. Um, I am going to. Uh, this one is from Danik. Uh, and Danik would like me to say item. <laughs> explanation point. Explanation Why? point. Uh, you know. For reasons that have not been revealed to me, but I think are probably cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, oh, I'm going. To, sorry, so, Colin, that was actually for Gerald Hungerdunger. Could you pass it to him? I can do that. Okay. Um, so I think we're gonna, Danik, you're gonna get three for one. I'm gonna do one where he is not yet completely disturbed by the contents of the Rheingold report. Item two. He sees the direction in which things are going. Item! And three. He knows. He has looked into the abyss. 
Item! <laughs> so hopefully one of those will do what you need it, need it to do. And uh, thank you. Item, you are thanked. All right, here we go. Uh, <clears throat> this one is from Background Nose. Open quote. So this is the message I'm supposed to read. I'm not asking. This is really the sentence they chose, question mark, end quote. <laughs> nice. Yes. So uh, this is from Therabalin. 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 Thrabalin. 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 Well, Thrabalin, a very oh. special shout out to Kevin McCarthy for teaching the world what stubborn perseverance in the face of ridiculous odds actually looks like. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Solid. <laughs> uh, also, uh, the directions that got it clipped off of that were this is not a compliment <laughs> <laughs> this is not a compliment <laughs> this is from baron helm specifically for me <clears throat> i hereby pledge to post more on the at astronomica cast instagram account <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah <laughs> guilty uh, gotta feed the gram yeah gotta feed the gram i don't even feed my own gram yeah my gram okay. is starving yeah. Uh, this is from RZ. This broadcast is brought to you by our listener partners like you and the NSA. The NSA, for when you need the very best listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Solid. That was pretty good. Well, is that all of our, uh, what do you call it? Um, Sound bites? Utterances. Clips. Utterances. Is that the, our utterances request. concluded? Yeah. Can we talk about what fuckers Wizards of the Coast are yet? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Uh, by the way, listeners, if you have any more requests, you can go ahead and call into the show. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I'm, I'm standing at the phones ready to answer. <laughs> yeah. Call 1-900-HOT-DOG with two Gs. <laughs> uh, what's this about... I appreciate you giving out my personal number. <laughs> what's this about Watsy being assholes? I haven't heard anything. Mm -hmm. Oh really? Oh yeah, they. Uh, okay. <laughs> oh no, you're, yeah, you're uh, Jeff, would you like to like? I feel like you can like set the pieces on the board more accurately than I can. Uh, okay. Uh, approximately twenty years ago, Wizards of the Coast issued the Open Gaming License One Point Zero A, which allowed third party creators to use non copyrighted, non trademarked content, uh, specifically rules and mechanics in order to create compatible gaming material and supplemental supplemental materials for Dungeons and & Dragons. And that long-standing license uh, has been used to help independent creators across the RPG sphere flourish uh, and has, not incidentally, really helped Wizards of the Coast sell lots and lots and lots of core rulebooks. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, recently, they have brooded about uh, one OGL 1.1, which drastically and draconically revises the terms. Uh, basically, under 1.1, you would give Wizards of the Coast a non-revocable perpetual license to any material that you produce using their open content uh, for free, uh, So, and they can monetize and commercialize it to their heart's extent, content. Mm -hmm. Um and you have very severely limited terms, and they are attempting to revoke the perpetual OGL 1.0a license that uh, all previous material was issued under, which is probably illegal, but it comes down to who has the better lawyers, the multi-billion dollar multinational conglomerate Hasbro or 
three folks in a garage who write indie RPG content. I feel like that's a really slippery slope when you're talking about like core mechanics of gameplay because the core mechanic of Dungeons and Dragons game gameplay is we're playing pretend and I roll some dice to see what the outcome is. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like literally every pen and paper system that's ever been <clears throat> conceived of. Well, and so I I feel like if you set that precedent there, you're basically monopolizing pen and paper RPGs at that point. They would love to, I'm sure, uh, monopolize the mechanics. It is a longstanding precedent and uh, explicitly outlined in some cases that mechanics uh, of games and descriptions of the operation of games are not copyrightable, nor are they trademarkable. Right. But the toughness feat is copyrightable. Right. Okay. Or calling yeah. being able to get to roll 2d20 and take the better result advantage is actually a trademark mm-hmm. and copyright of Wizards of the Coast. Yeah. So you just have to call it something else. Right. But and, still, it's... And so if, but also, if you write third-party content and you want to let people know which game system they can use that third-party content with, you have to do it in a way... Uh, uh, you have to either sign up for their terms... Or do it in a way that does not mention Dungeons, Dragons, Wizards of the Coast, D20, Trademark, mm-hmm. or anything else. So the OGL uh, 1.1 was, mm-hmm. I, at least the last time I, I looked at it, it was uh, still described as a leak. Yes. Right? Yes. They have not. Uh, it was initially slated to be publicly announced and released prior to this uh, recording, mm-hmm. uh, but the blowback from the leak that uh, several concerned third-party publishers yeah. uh, put out. Yeah, and there, there was a leak uh, basically from, you know, Wizard of the Coast brass, kind of, from what I hear, and again, apologies, this is all, I'm getting all of this secondhand, so if I've got this wrong, mea culpa, but, like, they see their vast community and all of the weird places that it has gone and all of the strange and wonderful things it has grown as just sort of kind of an annoying quote obstacle to their money yes well it did create their leading competitor yeah in pathfinder absolutely um and basically right now wizards of the coasts if you are not a subscriber to D beyond you can get fucked we do not like you. What are you doing here? <laughs> Subscribe to D&D Beyond, you bitch. You yeah. know, that's sort of their uh, raison d'etre. Well, my question is, right, if it's a leak, do we know, like, where the leak came from? Because if it's if it's the copy of the OGL 1.1 that, like, a lawyer was sending to Wizards. No, it was a, uh, a, a draft version which Wizards had sent out to one of their oh, okay. prominent third-party partners gotcha. uh, with identifying details scrubbed. Hmm. Uh, and it's pretty credible because Wizards has not repudiated it, and yeah. other independent publishers have said, oh yeah, this job, we got something like this too from them, and this is, this is legit. Yeah. yeah I, I want to point out something that... Um, is complicated and it's something that drives me fucking crazy as a uh, <clears throat> radical leftist communist mm-hmm. type. Um, the part of the uh, OGL 1.1 included like a basically that they could revoke um, publishing rights to someone who 
wrote a supplement that included like hate speech. Yes. Which is on the one. It's extremely frustrating because I'm all for preventing hate speech. Yeah. I'm a really strong advocate. I'm not what you would call a free speech absolutist. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's, I, I, anytime like a, a corporate interest starts mm. talking about like doing that kind of thing, it's a very, um, under no pretense moment. Like, yeah. Um, it's like getting out in front of criticism, essentially. Yeah. Like it, it's trying to confuse the issue, which is that the OGL 1.1 exists to, or it, or it, the effort to create it is about securing profits and mm-hmm. uh, exploiting like third party publishers. 100%. Of which, like, the third party publishers are the ones putting out the super awesome gay content, <laughs> right? Right. So, uh, because the, the idea, the idea of, of, uh, Arguing against hate speech, like that being used to quash an actual like minority-led third-party publisher mm-hmm. producing content is fucked up. It, which it one hundred percent would be. Yeah, and you know, Wizards of the Coast are the ones that put out the supplemental material of the Hadozy racial uh, option, which were incredibly racist uh congratulations yeah <laughs> um i will uh i'm unfamiliar with uh yeah. well they were uh sort of human chimpanzee hybrids mm-hmm. and guess you can probably guess how sensitively they were portrayed <laughs> yeah word i um i will say there are this is this seems to me like a request that's coming down from hasbro mm-hmm. there yeah. was that there was also there was an earlier leak about hasbro describing D as under monetized yes um so it's worth remembering that the people whose names are on the books that you can find their twitter handles and yell at them yeah are probably taking it from both ends like yeah and are probably big gamers and probably have published under the ogl and have complicated feelings and are, you know, so. Well, the the current Damn, CEO Sam. of Wizards. That was, that oh, was fucking huge of you. It was magnanimous. Yeah. Really yeah. Magnanimous as fuck. Yeah. It, it, I mean, won't, it won't save them from the revolution, but it's, you know. Yeah. Don't, don't yell at the cashier for the shitty conditions of the checkout line. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. they didn't do anything to not schedule anyone else. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, also worth noting, uh, a little close to home. Uh, although I think this is going to be of secondary import, but creating ancillary content using Wizards of the Coast material, like, for instance, an actual play podcast, mm-hmm. uh, also would have to fall under the OGL. And you have to, if you have more than $50,000 in revenue, not net profit, but revenue from any source, you have to report it to Wizards of the Coast. Uh, currently, they are only charging royalties for a $750,000 threshold. But the the terms of the OGL allow them to unilaterally alter that with like minimal notice at any point. Mm. Okay. So, um, fortunately, Kevin Crawford. Yeah. Uh, none of his products are under the OGL contract. Nope. Um, so, and he's been on Reddit recently, being very clear that 
he said he didn't publish under the OGL because he didn't feel like he fully understood it, and so he specifically avoided it. And mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So all of his stuff is still... You can still steal all of his stuff from him. <laughs> uh, yeah. Awesome. Kevin, Kevin Crawford, very solid dude. Uh, he, you know, support independent creators. He's a an independent creator's independent creator. So mm-hmm. uh, buy a, you know, buy Distant Lights or uh, Persons of Interest or some supplement, like... Give him, mm-hmm. give him, give him a little bump. Fuck yeah. yeah. Okay. Now that we have exhaustively answered a question that no one answered, asks <laughs> that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris, what do we got in the way of questions? People did we, ask us. We have questions. Questions from the audience. Uh, Chaos Ride asks: On the ship, what would decorate your character's room? Mm-hmm. Any funny posters or weird trinkets? You can probably come up with something funnier than a funny poster. I can mm-hmm. probably do that. Yeah. So who wants to go first? Yeah, you. How would your How would your character decorate their room? Mackie would have a tiki bar. Hmm. Oh, yeah, most definitely a tiki bar. Nice. Oh, yeah, brother. And uh, I think that he would probably have like I don't know, like a big velvet painting of whatever the twenty third century's like answer to Cleopatra Jones was. Hmm. And uh, yeah, probably what's behind the cleopatra jones what's behind it mm-hmm. a tunnel <laughs> a tunnel to get away from grace <laughs> yeah 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 um and uh i think probably like the things that are that were inexplicably a part of everybody's granddad's possessions when they died and you're like what like one of those shoehorns that's like you know three feet long <laughs> you know there's some of those laying around mm-hmm. that's mackie's room nice uh, hmm. We know Anton has a Rolodex. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think he would have replaced whatever like mattress bed thing was in there with a uh, like one of those uh, like net knit hammocks. Nice. Um, I was I was split between whether you were going to say a circular rotating <laughs> bed, yeah, like a or a water bed. I didn't know. Uh, yeah, man. a hammock. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so you're talking about real Anton, not the Anton that we impose on you. Yes. <laughs> Got it. Yes. Um, real Anton is an ancient mariner. Mm-hmm. Trying to think of like the the type of shit he would keep around. I don't know. Um, he's a he's a. a a prolific sketch artist and he's got just like all kinds of weird doodles up on a on a cork board nice yeah of all the women that he <laughs> all, all of his french well, no, I mean, he french like his drawn girls if yeah. you're gonna invite a girl up to see your etchings you you need to have some etchings just in case yeah <laughs> you know you never know yeah but uh i i would also uh i mean i don't know if you're looking for notes but i feel like anton would have a workbench in his room mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, like think, for cleaning his many, many, many weapons. Yeah. And making sure they're in, you know. And a private beer shape. fridge with a padlock. <laughs> yeah. It's a corn dog fridge, but yes. <laughs> yeah. And Squidle has a poster of a, um, a deer that left over a fence but didn't make it. And it's mm. hanging upside down from the top of the fence. And uh, it's clearly, unfortunately, passed away. 
Oh, God. And the text says, I hate Mondays. <laughs> oh, God. That's fucked up. Um, uh, um, Father, Father Constantopoulos has Hopper. Yeah. And whenever he regains consciousness, he like just smacks <laughs> Hopper in the chest. <laughs> yeah. Come on! Points to his veins. <laughs> nice. Uh, y'all, what's in Shank's room? Wang. Yeah. Wang. All right. And Wang. Yeah. Okay. Um, Wang's a bowflex. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That tracks. A compendium of monographs on the like lifetime, uh, uh, life, life, and uh, habits of the pelagic whales. Hmm. Okay. I think CB probably has like some extremely dog-eared and like threadbare, like you know, unspeakably ancient book of like sleight of hand techniques by like Ricky J. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh like, nice. Yeah. And his fifty-two assistants. Also, probably a pretty sizable YA fiction collection. <laughs> that is uh, a, a thing that, that popped in my head that I feel like Anton would have. Whatever the, like, you know, 44 whatever year we're in, mm-hmm. equivalent of, like, physical, like, analog music would be. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's got, like, a like a shelf and a little, like, turntable in there with just, yeah. like, some, you know. Nice. Nice. And it's 4451. Yeah. Uh, pay, pay attention. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> I think CB... Uh, would also have like a whole bunch of like journals laying around and you know like uh high school yearbooks and and stuff like that but when you sort through them like you rapidly realize if you compare them all that they're all decoys right. <laughs> like none of them is actual autobiographical information <laughs> um what does grace have in her sadness room <laughs> that well let's get to that later yeah okay. there's a question about it okay nice uh what about hopper hopper well you know hopper has just like a forehead indentation inside the forward airlock mm-hmm. but yeah if he gets a stateroom uh on the wall there would be a uh, framed you know uh 1800s engraving of the tongue map like the taste bud regions <laughs> yeah which by the way, is complete bullshit, but yeah. <laughs> uh, that would be up there uh, next to a framed tortilla chip mm-hmm. uh, yes. in a, like a shadow box. And he would have a nightstand um, with like, you know, typical items arranged on it, but completely like lacking understanding. So there would be a hairbrush and then next to it, there would be a toothbrush and then next to it, there would be a toilet brush. <laughs> and next to it, there would be, like, a shoeshine brush. Mm-hmm. Um, there you go. And, like, you know, oh, this is what's in normal room. Mm-hmm. And there would also be, like, a bed. But, you know, it would either be comically oversized, king-sized water bed <laughs> or, you know, a doll's bed. <laughs> nice. Um, Chris. Next. Oh, well, I was going to say, uh, feel free to chime in if you like. No, I'm, I'm asking the questions here. Okay. okay. <laughs> we will be asking the questions yeah. here. <laughs> right. uh, background Nose asks, uh, and this is a great question, I think, mm-hmm. what is the smallest in-game moment that seemed insignificant at the time but went on to have a massive effect? Ooh, fuck. <laughs> That's I wish a good I... one. So uh, very early on in the show, uh, Stan asked me, uh, he was like, hey, hey, Cullen, is, is Anton gay or straight? <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. And then uh, 
uh, my ex girlfriend called me, and then that just completely derailed my character ever since. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Small moments, great reckonings, and little rooms. I mean, I have some that are like the the scope of which I think won't be apparent to other people. Hmm. Uh, but for example, um, the artifact that you guys picked up in the very first episode mm-hmm. um, and broke. Yeah. Which I admit, I kind of made you break it. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but um, then it like sank to the bottom of the ocean and nobody ever figured out what it did or what its purpose was or mm-hmm. who wanted it. Um, and I think the campaign would have taken a very different probably it, it would have circled kind of what we did but it it would have been a different route interesting hmm. um i think the uh the was it the hummel figurine or uh precious yeah, the, uh, precious oh, yeah. Moments, yeah. Yeah. yeah uh that we picked up that actually ended up it saved uh it saved mackie didn't it or chili cheese it was a yeah, yeah. It was basically like a. It could be used in the place of a um a character death. Yeah. Or, or no, no, no. Uh, lose a crew member. Yeah, the crew yeah. member um catastrophe. Yeah. So when we were fighting the Dove of Peace, uh, being able to sacrifice that instead of a crew member. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we would have had to roll or pick one. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I a big one is um. Squoidal getting a nat 20 on that first attack roll. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Would yep. not remember that character at all if uh, <laughs> not for that. Yeah. Yep. Guys, I'm embarrassed. I don't have a good answer for this. And rather than like pull something out of my ass, I'm going to like applaud you guys for your good answers. Hmm. But yeah, I mean, there's there's tons of stuff that, well, like. What about Mackie getting um, attacked by the Dukak? There, there was a role there. There was a role there. Yeah, yeah. no, I mean, but I mean, I, I, I feel like that was awesome. Mm-hmm. But I haven't really played Mackie like a one-eyed guy. It hasn't really impacted the way I game. So mm-hmm. I don't feel like... See, I feel like we're just building up momentum until the hot mall walker comes back as right. like Jeff Cho's like super secret agent. She is in my back pocket. Yeah, I'll admit. Okay. Uh, I think that, like, there was a lot of stuff that happened on Glazer. I mean, this is a maddeningly nonspecific answer. But, like, I feel like Glazer was where a a ton of seeds got planted that Mm -hmm. are only just now starting to sprout. By Anton? (laughs) Yes. Ew. Ew. Um... So you're saying, like, for you, every moment, no matter how seemingly small, is always fraught with import. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's how I live my life. Yep. This thing right now we're doing, you're going to remember it forever. And then, in 15 years, when this, that nine-tenths empty vat <laughs> of checks Mix with a hat on it <laughs> steps out of the shadows and goes... <laughs> The time is now. I'd be like, I knew it. Mm-hmm. I knew it. For too long you have scorned me, checks man. So, yeah, I don't have a good answer. I, I like this bit, but it's not good. <laughs> well, I, yeah, the, the thing where I, I don't have an answer, but it still took like four minutes. Mm-hmm. I'm not proud of it. <laughs> Stan, Mama Millipede asks, what bug is the best bug? 
What bug is the best bug? Ooh, I have one for that. I actually have an answer, but you go for it, Stan. Jesus, lay off. <laughs> <laughs> if you have an answer, chime in. I have stronger opinions about bugs. Yeah. You're going to say Volkswagen. <laughs> <laughs> death feigning beetle. Hmm. You're just making that up. Nope. There's a death feigning beetle? Yeah, they're little cute, cute little blue guys, uh, and they've got like dusty, waxy cuticles and then when they get startled they flip over on their back and pretend to be dead and then they like look around and if they don't see any threats then they flip back themselves back over and keep nice. trundling on and it's like a little fainting goat yeah all right what you got colin i like moths nice nice moths are just cool moths yeah. are cool um well i've got an unpopular answer that i'm gonna just have to put my neck out and say covid19 <laughs> Fantastic bug. I mean, if we're just talking about influence alone, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Incredible. I mean, it disproportionately kills old Republicans. So, <laughs> hell yeah, oh, yeah. man. Yep. See, remember when we were going to edit out advocating for <laughs> for real death? I remember that. I mean, yeah. it's a virus, so whatever I mm -hmm. say has no bearing on it. So, yeah. that's fair. If if more old Republicans heard me and got vaccinated, that would be a net good. Mm. Fair enough. So, yeah, you know. consider yourself owned. Yeah, <laughs> completely. Okay. Uh, what? Uh, Thrabbling is that? What it is? Uh, Thrabbling. Thrabbling is the reason why Grace's chili mac so nasty. Because what else are you going to do with what used to be her, where her AI core was moved to? Ah, yes. Hmm. I'm not sure I understand that question. Yeah. So, um, in a recent episode. Grace's AI core was implanted into the skull of a preserved but long dead victim. <laughs> and uh, she started walking around as a human and was like, I'm like Mackie now. So the question is, um, I guess, is the Chili Mac made of Parenti's brains? Or the desiccated husk that was the rest of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, was it brain chili mac? Was it? Mm. That's yes. Jeff's. Yes. Nice. There we go. That's canon. <laughs> wow, we, we're we're making canon tonight, people. <laughs> uh, so in in the sadness room, there were two rooms. Mm -hmm. There were two side rooms. One was viable. One was non-viable. Mm -hmm. Viable was full of the parts that could be used on Mackie to keep him running. Non-viable was. The grab bag <laughs> of uh, fun bits and pieces of victims that were not useful for preserving Maggie. It's like how you just have like a drawer full of random nuts and bolts that you took off shit, and like you never know when one's going to fit something you Absolutely. need. Absolutely. Yep. Or uh, a drawer full of random like integrated circuits, mm -hmm. and sometimes you might find one that does what you need, and sometimes you might find one that you don't know what it does. So let's just hook it up. Mm -hmm. I had a, a really obnoxious moment, like depending and repinning a electrical harness the other day, and like dug through a box of just like uh, basically a whole car's worth of wiring harness, just like pulling pins out of connectors, being like, "Is this right? No, damn it!" Spent like like three hours on like one little like connector that broke. It's a fun day. Yeah, that's uh. There's a lot of, of visually compatible but won't fucking fit together <laughs> like tiny little four-wire connectors. Yeah. Okay, this one is from uh, XLEF11 or uh, GLEF11. Anyways, 
Uh, and this is another really good question. What do you think is the strongest feature of Stars Without Number? Mm. The, ge- uh, the generators, for sure. Mm. Like, you, relying on the random roll uh, system from soup to nuts will give you an, an incredibly interesting character, uh, uh, an incredibly interesting system, setting, uh, world. It's, it's, it's really cool. Like, you could, you could conceivably, if you were on a desert island by yourself with the Stars Without Number book and some polyhedral dice, play an interesting game with yourself alone mm-hmm. yeah. and make it neat. Absolutely. You know, Same answer. 100%. I'm not a big, uh, like, like rules mechanics nerd, so I'm going to say the strongest feature of Stars Without Number to me is... Um, our star daddy Stan for Aww. running a cool game. Aww. Yeah, the friends you made along the way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm gonna say, I can think I have I've, an experience point, please? <laughs> <laughs> I've said this probably before, but uh, I love systems that have mechanical rewards for good role play. Yeah, and the thing yeah. where it's like, okay, you want us to that role? Tell me how you're gonna do it, motherfucker. Yeah, mm-hmm. that is a thing I love about Stars See, Without Number. I feel like that's a real strength of games, like. Um, like Monster of the Week, and there's a few others that I've played that are like this, where um, rather than like declaring an action and like a skill that you want to use to roll for it, the way that the game's set up is you just like say what you're doing, and at any point when the GM decides that there's like an obstacle, he's like, okay, that sounds like you need to roll this check. Yep. And like I, I like I think the flow of that gameplay is a lot more like just narratively interesting instead of Absolutely. being like I'm gonna use my my fireball attack and I've only got three left for the day and you can just be like, ah, I'm just going to do the thing. And then the GM's like, okay, cool. Like that sounds like a weird check. Roll it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Hey, let me ask you guys a question though. Yeah. Sure. Uh, so you generally play and when, when we played before and I, I'd gather from the, the new game as well uh, that you don't use psionics a lot. That's true. Yeah, what? there, there are no sacks in this campaign. That's a stand question. <clears throat> stand. Um, I everything in the stars of that number book that had to do with psionics was stuff that I wanted uh, for my plot to be about AIs, um, which I think for reasons that have been revealed in the most recent episode. Yep. Um, so I, I wanted AIs to be the necessary component of faster than light travel and, or well, uh, the gates technology and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, also I wanted to hold a chunk of the book in reserve for the use of like alien powers and stuff, which I haven't, that that hasn't come to fruition, but, um, and I also had some other ideas about how to use psychics, um, that, haven't really come into play yet that uh, are fun. So we might see psychic powers in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you've already seen psychic powers in the form More of Serge. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, but because it's it's a uh, it's pretty integrated into the into the, it is. the milieu. You know. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, I guess this is a a question. Is I guess you don't like need to answer or not. But is is Sergey is his form of precognition like? having had like contact with an AI and having like an incredibly like super processing, like probability 
computer type of thing, or is it like more of a psychic precognition? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, I don't even, maybe I've even said it on the mic before. I can't recall at this point. Uh, some of the people who played in one of the one shots, um, encountered the reason Sergei is a psychic. Uh, basically Sergei has an implant in his brain that he's not aware of. Mm-hmm. That is a pre-tech, um, device with a name. It's something like a uh, little tyke psychic for a day. <laughs> um, that isn't meant for long-term use. And, uh, uh, one of the, uh, yeah, basically the, the reveal was that he, it, it was technology and not, um, not weird metadimensional physics stuff. Right. Um, but yeah, I just I, I really like the the psychic rules in Stars That Number. It's just not the story I wanted to tell. Okay, uh, let's see here. Redacto the Anonymous says, "If a podcasting network ever reached out, would you consider joining, or do you prefer to remain independent?" Mm-hmm. That's a good question. I guess it would depend on the offer. I don't I don't know enough about it to. Yeah. How many zeros? Yeah. How many yeah. zeros? Say, check. It would <laughs> depend on the network, I would say, but I'm, I'm not a, aware of. I wouldn't want like the Astronomica. Sh- I would I would do a show on a network, but the Astronomica show I wouldn't want random ads that we didn't have any say in. Yeah. Also, yeah. I wouldn't want someone really <laughs> having a say in our content because uh, I like how fucked up we are. And, <laughs> I, I, I feel yeah. like if there was some like podcasting network that came to us and was just like, don't change anything about what you do. We just, we like your moxie kid be on our team. Yeah. yeah I like, like our moxie kid. Get, get some money, maybe running a couple of ads an episode. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really love the way that some more news runs their ads. Yeah. yeah. Cause it's just like, so fucking just like very, very, obvious yeah. that they're just like Katie stole nobody does every second of it yeah nobody does ad copy like Katie stole yeah that's great with with a close second of Robert Evans yeah I like in behind the bastards their overt contempt for their advertisers yes yeah. which I, I think so I think like maybe if yeah if iHeart Media reached out to us and we got the same latitude that they do yeah uh maybe I don't know I don't I don't I don't want to be beholden Man. to somebody who could like reach down I, and I say feel like doing like absurdist ad copy for like manscaped or whatever could be a lot yeah. of fun. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, they did reach out to us manscaped. Which is weird. Yeah. It's weird. Cause they reached out just like a year ago when like, yeah. it's very strange, which we said, nah, I think that like, if you are a podcast, they find you. Yeah. yeah. I want to know how they do it. It's, it's probably, like probably a, a threshold of downloads that everybody gets that offer. Yeah, yeah. We've, I, I, like, I'm waiting for us to hit the uh, pro flowers number. Uh, mm. Yeah, man. As soon as fucking purple mattress decides to send me one, like, <laughs> yeah, Brooklinen hit me up. Blue Apron. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I listen to enough fucking like Macroid podcasts. <laughs> like, I, I know all the all the heavy hitters. Yeah, into so. it. <laughs> yeah. Case by case. That's the answer. Yeah. Case by I really like the I don't remember the name of the um network, but the the Gnome Stew people. Uh they have a really good network mm-hmm. of like I like all the shows on it and um they have really like 
outspoken leftist politics and stuff. Yeah, if anyone out there on a fucking podcast network's listening, like, yeah, yeah. give us a shout. We'll at the very least consider it before we like mail spit back to you. <laughs> if, the, if the Hampton Institute wants to uh, sponsor us, we'll <laughs> we'll sign on board. It's not going to last long, but it'll be fun while it does. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jeff, this one's for you. Okay. Uh, as a person who is allegedly a man of science, do you have any advice for mm. someone like me, and the me is uh, Price Rowland, uh, who is uh, leaving behind a life of sin and debauchery to start grad school? Hmm. Uh, it's a science program, and I want to make the most of the opportunity. Well, my friend, if you think that you are leaving sin and debauchery behind when you enter grad school, uh, you are in for a rude awakening. Uh, Co-signed. On a serious note, um, I-, I would say find a way to engage with the, um, like, so if you plan on sticking in Academ, uh, find a way to to involve yourself through your studies with uh the the institutional assets that you want to continue with early on and get involved even at a low level um and if you want to go outside of the uh the hallowed groves into the private sector or government or something like that like find a way to to jibe your uh your program with your larger interests um make those connections early on uh start developing those uh soon because there are just a fuck ton of people that want a research position and if you already know the guy that's running the lab <laughs> uh even as the you know bottle washer or whatever um that's that's a a, a great way to go about it so, uh, corollary question. Yes. Uh, I didn't go to grad school, but I went to other schools. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, I had a lot of friends who go to grad school, and they always seem to be, not always, but a lot of them seem to, to end up with this uh, uh, conundrum. So you have a class that is like, you have, you have to choose between a class where I'm interested in the subject matter, or I have, or it's relevant to my field of study, or I can take a class with a, but but I don't know anything about the teacher, mm-hmm. or I can take a class with the teacher that is teaching something that is, that is something that's maybe not right in the middle of my field of study, but this teacher is really awesome, and I want to take a class from him. Yeah, with, uh, people seem to always end up with that choice. What? What would you advise in that situation? Uh, it depends. I mean, depends it would, it would on the just depend. Yeah. yeah, it depends on the situation. But uh, a great you might be interested in that field in that subfield uh, a lot more than you had anticipated. And having uh, somebody who could be a really strong mentor is is invaluable. So, also, I I didn't go to graduate school <laughs> either, uh, but I think something that's uh, applicable there and in a lot of places is um, you can't get work in your field um, right away, but you can start networking right away. So yeah, that's a lot of the people, a lot of your classmates are going to be people who are going to build a startup 10 years later and uh, you want them to remember your phone number. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I would say in that situation, though, I, I usually t- say like if if you really vibe with the teacher, like go with you know yeah. go with mm-hmm. them because I feel like you can make for yeah. for a networking reasons. I think it also, but like 
it, you can really, if you really find a teacher, because I had a, a, a writing teacher that was a poetry teacher, and I was like, I'm not a poet, but he made me such a better writer, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that, yeah, go, choose teacher, I think. That's what I would say. But you're right. It depends on the situation. And I, I listen to a lot of interviews with uh, writers that I respect, um, specifically screenwriters and TV writers and stuff. And uh, the number of times I've heard them mention um, working with a past teacher is mm-hmm. like it seems yeah. like a lot of the people who go into uh, that kind of work end up working with someone who was their professor before. Yeah. yeah, Irving Kirshner was the director of Empire yeah. Strikes Back, and he was uh, George Lucas's professor at USC. Nice. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, and and if you're a teacher, man, you can you can maybe one day you'll direct the Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, That'd be cool. <laughs> uh, okay, ground parent asks, and this is a really good one. What, Gord, Gord parent, thank you. Mm-hmm. Gord parent asks, uh, what's what are your favorite parts of your character, and are there any ways that you wish that you were more like your character? Hmm. Um, I've said this. How do you wish you were more like Grace? <laughs> well, I've said this before. Uh, uh, being able to, or uh, shutting my brain shutting down when I'm in the midst of an existential crisis <laughs> would be uh, an invaluable asset. Oh yeah. So uh, if that if that actually happened, that would be great. Uh, otherwise, I'd <laughs> a lot more like Hopper than Grace. I hope <laughs> in life. Oh. Um. And I don't know. I feel like, um, like as with a lot of like role play, you sort of tend to play an idealized version of yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the things that Anton does in situations are the things that I would do if I were confident or skilled or capable enough sure. to do in that situation. Um. So yeah, I don't know. I guess maybe that's the. The, the crux of how do you want to be more like your character is like, ah, I just want to be like the version of me that I think is like good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hey, right. Absolutely. But, um, so that's kind of like the Halloween costume theory that you like, mm-hmm. you choose your Halloween costume, like based on who you wish you were kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think, um, uh, like an actual and practical answer is, um, Man, I would love to have like sweet cybernetic like <laughs> steel plating under my skin and like a robot eye. That'd that would be as fuck. That would be dope. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh I wish that I was as much of a you know, leaf on the wind of life. Mm-hmm. And I, I <laughs> I think that I wish that I had the freedom that it feels like Mackie enjoys. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I uh, like one thing. Uh, one thing that's fun in Memphis is we're not having winter this year. <laughs> um, so let's don't bring things down too far by pondering the ramifications of that. Speaking Suffice of to say, <laughs> existential crises. Yeah, I fucking hate hot weather. But uh, events have conspired over the course of the last couple of years to show me that I am trapped in Memphis. Like, I cannot leave if I want to. And uh, the weather is going to be getting more and more and more and more and more not to my taste Mm. with every passing year. 
And, uh, yeah, so, like, Mackie's freedom. Like, he lives in a thing that can fuck off if he wants to. That's my favorite part of that character. So you wish you had an RV? I wish <laughs> I wish I had an RV that I could actually, like, leave in. Mm-hmm. This one, I do not trust myself to navigate in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. So getting it back here was an adventure. Yeah, it was... I'll say the the trait that all of your characters have that I wish I had <clears throat> uh, would be the capacity to fail forward. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fucking A, right? Instead of fall on my fucking face. Mm, <laughs> no shit. I mean, you should try living and uh, existing in a world governed by a benevolent star daddy. Yeah. yeah. You know? You should try that next time. Is that what religion feels like? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think that's what religion feels like. That's Why do you think Stan is a Offcom. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, RZ asks, uh, is there a sci-fi concept of some sort that you find interesting but you haven't seen in-game yet? He's arguing anything from like uh, lightsabers or philosophical uh, concepts like transhumanism, uh, Dyson Sphere, anything like hmm. that. Hmm. Metachlorians. <laughs> Where are the metachlorians? That's science, baby. <laughs> um, I will say that, like, the the sci-fi concept that has really captured my imagination uh, over the last probably five or six years is the idea of, like, simulated universes, digital afterlifes, things like that. Hmm. And, I mean, I feel like we've touched on those in the show. But, yeah. like, the characters, like, the PCs aren't active participants except arguably Grace in that but yeah that's that is my answer Mm -hmm. i i think we do kind of touch on a little bit on the transhumanist uh you know everybody on the ship is a cyborg or a robot to some extent yeah um and to, to me the transhumanist uh question is where does a human stop being a human and i think that that is one of the things that is fun to explore or was fun to explore with grace actually is like where you know what does it mean to be human to be a you know a mind uh and i think that that's one of my favorite things in sci-fi in general at large is is when you get into those questions absolutely um aliens yeah those dudes? Yeah, looking forward to uh, some possible alien stuff. Yeah, we've only had one yeah. so far. And Hildy murdered it. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I do I do think it's kinda neat, uh that yeah, like we found an alien that we talked to for a minute and our response was like ah, Well, time to kill this alien. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um And I don't have like a a great answer. I've got my um my sort of off the cuff answer, which is, uh, I always fucking love like mecha, like mecha animes. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we had like a fucking like, uh, like a Robotech Valkyrie, like <laughs> if I could be in a sweet fucking like F 16 that could turn into a robot that could turn into a half robot, half F 16, yeah, and fight, you know, giant Zentradi aliens. Well, the good news is that the rules support it. Yeah. So we can uh, we can bring Max in. Oh man, there's a really cool indie RPG that my older sister got into. Um, that's a that's a mecha pen and paper 
that I'm going to remember as soon as we're done recording the name of it. Um, edit this out because it's going nowhere because I can't remember its name. But if you're if you're listening and you know what I'm talking about. Was it Lancer? It is Lancer. There you go. Yeah, Lancer's rad. Shout out to Lily the Goblin for uh, talking about Lancer last night while we were playing Seven Days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lily the Goblin instigator. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, my sister's super active in the like Lancer Discord, and um, apparently it's a, a really solid, cool community there as well. So nice. if you're interested in that type of thing, check them out. Check out the rules. It seems really neat. And actually, uh, Lily shared a, a Lancer battle group, which is the like spaceship-focused part of it, mm-hmm. uh, with me. And I'm happy to uh, uh, share that on with you if you want to take a look at it. It's, it's, I've only flipped through it a little bit cursorily, but it's, it's pretty cool. It's weird uh, that I've, I've been following the uh, the whole drone war thing in uh, in mm. Ukraine mm-hmm. like really closely, oh, yeah. but it's really interesting to me that that because I mean I'll be honest, so I watched like anime growing up a little bit, you know, but I, yeah. and I was like, you know, it's always the giant robot problem, which <laughs> is giant robot pro- are not really useful in a big way, <laughs> it's not yeah, super right. practical. They're not yeah. practical because anything that you that a giant robot can do, you know. Well, up until now, anything a giant robot can do, you could probably do better with just a tank, right? right? Mm-hmm. And plus, it's not like you can hide a tank, and it's not like. You know, but I feel like now, you know, tanks are just walking targets now. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and and I, I read the. I, I will never forget this. Uh, the the story about like the the counteroffensive after after when they were trying to get Kiev, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. there was uh, the New York Times interviewed this woman who had. Uh, who had been involved in the revolution, and then she was a no shit an elementary school teacher, and now she was running around in her Chevy uh, Volt mm. hybrid with a whole bunch of of uh, missiles, mm. anti tank missiles in the back, and she had personally destroyed three tanks. Wow! And she was Hell like a yeah. soccer mom. That's sick. and I was like, when wow. a soccer mom. Can kill three tanks from her hybrid. Fuck. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Tanks. Then, like, so I feel like maybe the future actually looks more like people walking around in armor, shooting <laughs> missiles at each other. So maybe it does look like like <laughs> Maycroft. You know, maybe it does look like like Mechas. Maybe I don't it know. does. I mean, I don't know. It, well, here's the thing about like the soccer mom and her hybrid with missiles <laughs> is that. In some way, that is both battle effective and cost effective. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like having a Tony Stark Iron Man suit or like a big giant mecha, I I don't think you can like co op that into existence. That's going to mm-hmm. have to be some sort of like probably evil centralized capitalist thing. So. I'm hoping the future is soccer moms with missiles because yeah. that seems more egalitarian. Yeah. This is um, peripheral to the question, but one of the things that I really like thinking about is um, I mentioned aliens, but like uh, thinking about the evolutionary process, like in other environments, mm-hmm. is really I just enjoy that as a exercise, um, and I was reminded of a quote that I think about a lot who I can't remember who said it, but someone asked it like an evolutionary biologist. Um, what do you think humans will look like in a million years? And she said, they'll look probably 
basically the same, except the penis will have a condom puncturing barb. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I One thing, I don't know if this is exactly an answer to the question, but it's just a thing that in, it's an intrusive thought in my day-to-day life, <laughs> is that I will interact with some fucking stupid thing, and I'd be like, what if the earth blew up and through some weird confluence of materials and physics and force or whatever this one stupid fucking thing i am holding in my hand right now Mm -hmm. is the only thing that survived of the entirety of human civilization and in a billion years galaxy trotting aliens in some random chance pick up this um fucking d20 d20 this rubber ducky mm-hmm. and they have to extrapolate the entirety of the civilization that created it based on that one thing alone you're just describing archaeology yeah <laughs> yeah right uh i don't know that i, I mean i think that just like is really a function of like how many dumb things I deal with, like physical objects in the course of an average day. And I just think about them more, you know, we've seen the, so, uh, first was the dinosaurs might have feathers thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And then there was like kind of a response to that, which was taking modern animals, skeletons mm-hmm. and showing how scientists might depict that animal, like a crocodile. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would they make this look like? If they were trying to determine its mm-hmm. soft bits, you know, um, but I haven't seen anybody do that with humans. Somebody should one of you artsy types that listen. I, I think it, that's just like when I try to draw a human from an actual human <laughs> <Right>. reference. <laughs> it ends up looking like a clown. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like we have a lot of examples of like facial reconstructions of like skeletal remains that have been found, you know, like we've got like, yeah, the, but I'd like to see like, it from the perspective of someone who'd never seen a human. Uh, yeah. Okay. I Cause we can, saying. like we know how much, you know, uh, how, how much cartilage like extends the nose out from mm-hmm. the yeah. central brow, uh, central ridge. Like, That's true. but do you know which direction it's supposed to go? <laughs> That's the question, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, uh, here is from Bar- Barnhelm, I think. Barnhelm. 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 What's Dr. Cade up to these days? We miss her. Ah, that's a Christian question. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, I will say Dr. Cade is living among the, uh, the Goonies. Mm-hmm. Um, avoiding agents of Jeff Cho. And um, imposing her will on the uh, newborn democratic government of the flooded palace. Nice. Uh, to whatever degree. Politicking. Yeah. Terrifying. I, I expect Dr. Cade to play a role in the future. We'll be seeing more of her. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, jo- uh, Joshi, uh, mnemonic, Joshi mnemonic, 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 mm-hmm. uh, asks, um, how long is your normal playing recording session? Uh, <laughs> you do such a good job of editing that I have no idea. Yeah. Uh, 
anywhere from we actually had a really short one the other night yeah um was which was funny because like yeah it was a really really solid gaming session but it was only like a couple of hours yeah i will say uh, most of the actual gaming i think makes it into the yeah. episode I, I, yeah. most of the cuts i think are us talking about tv shows i right. feel like things have gotten better lately but i do think that there was a period where like we were recording like four and a half hours and getting like two hours of content out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or to say that we were recording for four and a half hours. That includes I mean, the 45 minutes that the mics are just recording while we're out. Exactly. Cigarettes. Yeah. 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 But that's really good. You know, in film, a 10 to 1 ratio, shooting ratio to mm-hmm. is, is like golden. As you, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I feel good about knowing that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'd say, like, we're not we're not terrible about it. I mean, there were nights, which again, not as often now, where it would be like, we're supposed to meet at seven thirty. We get cracking at about nine, mm-hmm. and then at about one thirty in the morning, I'm just like, y'all, I have a job, right, right, <laughs> definitely, yeah. And and early on, we had we had entire sessions that we scrapped, and yeah, and, I think uh, only so, one or two, yeah, only yeah. a couple, but still, uh, yeah. Uh, to lift the veil, the uh, the Battle of Farapogee Station, wa- uh, that was our second run at it, what you heard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because uh, the first one was not good or coherent. Yeah. Um, but, and it actually ended up turning out uh, differently than the way it originally played out because we stuck by the way their dice rolled and also the, um, we played things differently. The first half of... Uh Rating Jeff chose a state. We replayed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Somehow that recording got fucked up or something. I don't remember remember exactly what happened. Yeah. And that was kind of. episode one, y'all. Episode one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was three times. Everybody reshoots the pilot. Yeah. But what I I liked about the the Jeff Cho bit that we redid was um, there was actually some miscommunication because I know uh, Colin specifically was trying to. This was just like we hadn't discussed how this works. Mm-hmm. So Colin was trying to replay what we had recorded, mm-hmm. but the dice rolls weren't the same. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So there were failures where there had been successes, and and yeah. and my intention was to come back at it blank slate and mm-hmm. play it how it plays out, and that's what we ended up doing. But oh yeah, yeah. like I remember when we found that first AI core in mm-hmm. the original. It went very differently because uh, I feel like because, Jeff rolled a much better perception roll, yeah. and he knew it was an AI core, so he wanted to smash it. Yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah, and then the second time he failed that check and didn't recognize it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yep. Aw, memories. <laughs> it still works. There's a small moment that ended up having larger yeah, repercussions. There we go. Down, there we go. Down the way. Totally. Uh, well, okay. Well, here's a story question for you uh, from uh, Danik. Uh, this arc has leaned heavily into Grace Hopper and Mackie. Any plans to dig into other characters' backstories? Uh, I've mentioned, but we've talked at the table before about uh, having like people from our past show up, mm-hmm. and uh, it had been discussed about having like either a superior uh, superior officer, or, like someone that Anton had served with, like popping up at some point, right? Like whether they're like a revolutionary on Panamorphy or something, like who knows how that's going to play yeah, out. But, Panamorphy you know. definitely is. That's where um, CB is from. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you have a mission that's going to take you there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, yeah, I would expect CB to get the spotlight next and probably try to work 
some of the stuff with uh, Anton in also. Yeah. Because that is, uh, that's the site of the most recent major conflict, so it makes sense that that's where Anton's military service took place. Mm-hmm. I can't wait for us to delve into uh, Shankomania. <laughs> Hell yeah, brother. Okay. Uh, Artie uh, Azulra <clears throat> says, the person to your left has been sentenced by the powers that be to exile in an alternate fictional dimension of your choosing. Where do you send them? Uh, there is no presumption of guilt beyond what you know about them personally. Hmm. Hmm. Well, <laughs> I am going to uh, send Chris to the uh, the cloudy realm of uh, Gonjania. Yeah, Gonjania. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, that was that sounds pretty nice to me. I know. I think, <laughs> yeah. So you don't. So you don't necessarily have to send him to hell. Is what you're saying? You know. Right. Okay. Yeah, uh, it doesn't like specifically say that it's negative. Although sentence exile, exile. Yeah. But if you're going to exile, you might you want to like exile somewhere tropical with lots of weed, right? Right. Yeah. So like, if I exiled you there, there could be like an exit sign and a little thing that says like, "Chris, come through this door if you want to leave." Yeah, and I probably wouldn't go. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know. You gotta you gotta find your lane, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I exile. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, uh, I would exile you uh, uh, to the to the dimension of uh, I don't know. Um, I have a I have a good oh, answer man, for you. What you send to me? It's um, I'd be I'd be heartbroken to do this to you, but. Uh, it would be the most fitting exile punishment I could think of. Yeah. Uh, you get transported to fucking steampunk universe mm. and you're a watchmaker and you just have to deal with all of the most obnoxious aspects of your profession. So, uh, and that's just the entire world is everything that you loathe about your job. Suicidal ideation. <laughs> if, if I were going to torture Colin and send him to a hell world. I would send him to the dimension that was his house. Mm. Yeah. And you just have to be in your house. Yeah. So yeah. I, okay, okay, I know I know Colin very well and I you know, I live with him. Mm-hmm. And I would say exiling Colin to his house where he has to do nothing <laughs> would be a dream come true. I mean, true. do I get to be in my house and not work? <laughs> No. no. Okay. Never. Oh, fuck. Sorry. Yeah. I should. I should. I should rephrase that. Sorry. I would exile you to the dimension of your job. Yeah. <laughs> and no. No working on watches. It's all dealing with customers. Oh, you fucking cunt. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> oh. Welcome to the customer service dimension. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no. Uh, Stan. I think that I would send you to the alternate role-playing game dimension we have both been listening to and enjoying if books could kill Mm -hmm. i would send you to the dimension where the rules of physics universe personal interaction and all things are governed by neil strauss's the game (laughs) (laughs) and uh you could take your insights from uh the podcast and apply them to to dominate or fail as you see fit man i would uh I would do very well. Would you? Would you have a bag of props? <laughs> would you put lint on me and pull it off and say, "Hey, how long's that been there?" Would you ask me to name oceans? Yeah, yeah. I think I would um, be friendly toward women and 
that'll probably never work. get elected president for being the only person who's <laughs> not that. a complete monster. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. No, that sounds good. Uh, I think that like uh, the 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 thing that they were talking about where like that that book got popular and then they'd see like people tried to use the techniques of the book and yeah, and then the go, woman's like, why did why are you the fifth guy to ask me uh, to name yeah. oceans? Mm-hmm. I think that my spin on that would be I would uh, approach. I'd approach people, and I would uh, roll up my sleeve, and I'd be like, so what is that? Is that like a goiter? Is that a a goiter or a pimple? Is that a boil? What is that? And that's how I'd engage them. I like it. uh, Does this look infected to you? Yes. Perfect. Yeah. And the answer is always yes. Yes. Oh, God. If you're asking, it's infected. Yeah. Yeah. So infected. This kind of herpes only goes on your mouth, right? Yeah. Uh, Jeff. Yes. I would send you to a universe where the, um, the really dumb memes that you see on Facebook Mm -hmm. that are like checkmate atheists, uh, uh, are all correct. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) No! (laughs) All, all science is getting overturned by arguments from the smartest kid in eighth grade uh-huh and the uh third smartest kid in eighth grade <laughs> there you go oh uh well since we're doing hell worlds and i gave you a nice one yeah. <laughs> uh chris my actual hell world for you is cpac yeah mm. <laughs> you're just endless cpac nice oh never escape yes that sounds that sounds like absolute hell yep to me um but there's a bonus question here and it's much less awful. Uh, does pepperoni belong on the top or under the cheese on pizza? See, there's a there's a, a real life answer. Mm-hmm. It's the so you got sauce, cheese, pepperoni, cheese. Yeah, that's yeah. the way. Sandwich it. Yeah, this is the you okay. both it, you both. I, I sprinkle a little cheese on top. Yeah, after I put all the toppings on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the pepperoni right. can't slide around so much. Mm-hmm. I have I have no argument to make against the most recent assertion made on the subject of pepperoni on pizza well we've we have this we've definitively answered that question yeah, nailed it um uh, i like to put slices of gruyere on top of the regular pizza hmm. hell yeah brother yeah i feel so like, like mozzarella base yeah your your proteins and then and gruyere, then gruyere on, top. on top yeah i feel like like doing a, a secondary cheese to mm-hmm. complement the primary cheese is a it's a solid move that's that that is the way and man okay so my uh my fiance is allergic to pineapple which is a real fucking bummer because my favorite pizza is like a fucking barbecue chicken pineapple pizza mm-hmm. oh that and sounds I, amazing I don't. that's really good are you um is your fiance dave batista yeah, I was <laughs> <about to say. laughs> yes nice. Aww. Awesome. and i am but God, that would be. We were like, praying you kids to get together. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry to my actual fiance, but I would leave you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we know that you haven't left your fiance for Dave Batista because you haven't been torn in half. Ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I remember when um when Blade Runner twenty forty nine was like announced and they were like showing the previews and stuff and I saw uh, Batista was going to be in it, which man, like like pro wrestler turned actor, like. Ah oh, man, I I love that he's the one that is just like 
taken interesting dramatic roles and just yeah. like mm-hmm. far he's, away like he's yeah. i would it's, say he's like good. he's got range yeah. he's a yeah. great yeah. actor it's basically just him and hulk hogan <laughs> <laughs> but, but like but like the whether the rock is a movie star yeah right? yeah. like yeah. the rock just uh, you mm-hmm. go to to uh the fast and furious to see the rock drive fast you don't mm-hmm. go to see his portrayal of his character mm-hmm. yeah right yeah Hobbs or shaw or whoever the fuck he is yeah, yeah. Uh, i don't even know i hate those movies i think his name's mm-hmm. furious furious uh <laughs> But like, but like, and you know, like Cary Grant was a movie star, mm-hmm. you know, Cary yeah. Grant does stuff in the movie, yeah. but like, like Dave Bautista plays characters, yeah. you know, and mm-hmm. yeah, he's, he's by far the best wrestler who like became yeah. a, uh, I mean, he's a great <laughs> actor. Yeah, uh, like, absolutely. <laughs> I remember seeing the, the previews for it and seeing that Dave Bautista was going to be in it. And I was like, man, if he fucking gets to Batista bomb Ryan Gosling <laughs> on screen. I was like, I would fucking, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, um, I gotta say, uh, big, uh, a big wrestling. John tri- Cena though. Triple H's fucking turn. Deserves oh, yeah. Some, some credit. For yeah. Triple H's excellent. turn in the third blade movie was, uh, <laughs> memorable. Oh, <laughs> I mean, Rowdy, Roddy Piper in fucking, they live. Oh yeah. 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 Oh, cool. wow. Seriously. Seriously. Have you ever told my, my, they live story? No, I, I, I repeat this all the time. Please. So, and when I was in high school, uh, I, I mean, I've always loved movies, but then I, when I was in high school, like I was the kid behind the, the, in the concession stand, mm-hmm. like in, uh, the small town I'm from, uh, McMinnville, Tennessee, like small mm-hmm. town. It was the Cowan Oldham theater and there were two screens mm-hmm. and, uh, I worked at the Malco in Tupelo. At, <laughs> it, yeah. It, it's a great, it's a great job as a teenager. And I basically saw every movie released mm-hmm. from like that made it to McMinnville. Uh, from like 1985 to like 1989 when I went, when I, you know, came to Memphis, uh, Mm -hmm. and I had to go to college. So that's how old I am. (laughs) Uh, but, uh, so they live was on one night Mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, it was on for a week. I mean, they live bombed, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, and it was on for a week and we'd had a busy weekend and then it was like Tuesday and my, my boss a Mr. Bassam, who was tall. I'm I'm six foot three, and he's taller than I am. And mm-hmm. he talked like this, very, very uh, well. He built a business, and mm-hmm. you know he he built this business. Uh, and he said, "Well, I think you." And he loved me, mm-hmm. he, and uh, and he loved me because I would go and get his uh, uh, opium for his for his mother mm-hmm. uh, or paragoric. Mm-hmm. Like uh, yeah. because she'd been cut off, so I had to go like to the pharmacy <laughs> and like buy for her. So that's why he liked me. Uh, mom, 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 you already know about this, so you're not, you're not going to be listening anyway, so it doesn't matter. Uh, but, uh, he's like, young, that, do you, you want to see that science fiction movie? You know, it was Tuesday. He's like, you can, you can go on, you can go in, you know, I like, I'll, I'll, you know, like sell, it was the second show on a Tuesday night. And he was mm-hmm. like, you know, sell them your tickets and then, you know, you can go on in. I was like, okay, cool. So there's two people that come in to see They Live. Mm-hmm. It's a couple, right? And I just look at him and it's like these, I mean, it's rural East Tennessee in the eighties, they were coming to see Rowdy Roddy Piper wrestle. Yeah, right? <laughs> yep. yep. And so, they, you know, they live it. It starts out with like, like he's homeless mm-hmm. and he's like wandering. And there's no dialogue, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And he's wandering and he's just like bad stuff keeps happening to him. And they lasted like I don't. They got they they got up and walked out, and it was mm-hmm. just me in the theater but all they saw was Rowdy Roddy Piper walking around being homeless they didn't see anything <laughs> yeah. else they get up and as soon as they walk out he puts on the sunglasses 
Mm. Like, you know, that's when that part starts. Yeah. yeah. I think they actually left before the raid, even. Nice. Yeah. And, and so he puts on the sunglasses and it was like, this movie is like a message to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the only, like, we were waiting for those people to leave. Now yeah, we're yeah. going to, now, now we're getting to the movie. Right. Yes. <laughs> All yeah. right. And as my friend Adam said, which I completely agree with, it's like, that's the first movie that I saw that I was like, Oh, this is about something else. Yeah, like you yeah. know what yep. I mean. Like there's a subtext here, mm-hmm. even though it's just slapping in the face subtext. But I was like, <laughs> you know, you got to start somewhere, right? Yeah. But yeah, they live is one of my all time all time favorite movies. Yeah, I uh, absolutely agree. One of the very best uh, wrestler uh, centric wrestling <laughs> right. wrestling vehicles. But no, yeah, I love that movie. It's it's. But it's, you know, uh, he's not. I mean, you know, Roddy's not acting right too much. He's you know. John Carpenter's telling where to go stand and, you know, uh, chew bubblegum and stuff. Uh, mm. I think we're out. Oh, Katrina asks, shirts or skins? Mm. Mm. Skins. I was say, y'all have seen how I dress. It's pretty obvious I'm skins. <laughs> <laughs> uh, shirts. Uh, not allowed to participate. <laughs> I, um, Neither shirts nor skins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So th- this I'm a shirt. Theoretical. Pickup game is within a hundred yards of a school. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I got a note from my mom says nice. I don't have yeah. to. I don't have to. There you go. I don't have to take my shirt off. Any anything that is like shirts or skins, I'm like I don't want to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh wait, there's, I don't want to be either one. I don't want to do whatever this. A, is. I thought I was choosing as an audience. There's a member. question we can't okay. skip. Which I don't know which one is it. Um, it's it's a callback to your shout outs. It's a uh, Bradley's question there. Oh yeah. Oh, uh, Bradley, yeah. Uh, on a scale of one to Bandit, how likely are you to fuck my wife? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, uh, I, can, I can do that better. I can do that better. Okay. On a scale of one to Bandit, how likely are you to fuck my wife? <laughs> my wife. My don't wife. I know Bradley's wife, so I'm a Bandit. Probably going to happen. only a matter of time if i met her and if i ever meet a woman and she's like i'm bradley's wife i'll be like not gonna fuck you (laughs) so bradley's wife if you're listening (laughs) might want to keep that under your hat um well all i'll say is bradley's wife is that a piece of lint on your shoulder oh man (laughs) how long has that been there how long has that been there how many oceans can you i don't even know why that anyway no, no, the whole thing is fucking absurd, and yeah. I had no idea. I mean, I knew it was douchey, mm-hmm. but I didn't know that it was like almost Dadaist art. How fucking absurd it was! Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it brought a little magic into my world. Thanks for that podcast, wreck dog. It's, it's a great I need one. To listen to that. That does actually sound very interesting. If books could kill, it's yeah. worth your time. They just did the secret, and they described the author of the secret as. Uh, <laughs> looking like a yassified Paula Deen, Paula Deen Tar- Targaryen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Great. And I have never seen that woman, but I can see her in my mind's eye. Mm-hmm. You, you, you know what she looks like. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, this is a good one to end with, actually. Uh, with 2023 starting up, is there a game or games you haven't played before that you really wanted to get to the table in the next year? Either a game master or a player. I, uh, at Nerd Camp, um, because I was uh, hanging out and talking to people and theoretically prepping to run something, et cetera, et cetera, uh, I chose to set out um, of Nathan's Delta Green. Oh, yeah. Game. You fucked up. Yeah, I really. That uh, was great. 
Um, I'm hoping Nathan comes back yeah. and runs it again because I'd really like to play that. Um, Dude, Colin, you've been talking about Delta Green for like at least over a year yeah, now. Yeah, I, I spent a lot of money on those books I've never gotten to use. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Stealing Stories for the Devil. It's a Monty Cook game. Mm-hmm. And uh, I haven't been able to get a group together to run it or have or find someone who's running it when I have time to play it. Um, but it's really... It's it's the coolest concept. Like, uh, you are on a bank heist, and you get, like, you know, you get spotted by the security camera. Well, actually, you can tell a lie so powerful that it can retroactively change reality. So when the service tech was there to uh, service the camera, they forgot to reattach the uh, video feed. Hmm. So it doesn't pick you up. And then, like, you know, you make your way down to the vault, and then the security guard, like, shows up, and he draws his weapon. Uh, but he forgot he was uh, cleaning his weapon, and he never reloaded it. So he just, you know, dry fires with the trigger, like, that kind of thing. It's kind of neat. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, I've got a, I've got a bone to pick with the powers that be that make decisions for this podcast, mm-hmm. which is all of us. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed running a uh, Morkborg and yeah. we're, we're doing another project now that, uh, is going to be, uh, a separate game that is going to be a lot of fun. I'm actually very excited to play in, mm-hmm. but I am, uh, sort of bummed that I'm probably not anytime soon going to get to continue that adventure. Yeah. Um, and I do have a, a supplement for uh, Morkboard that I backed on Kickstarter that is a, uh, it's called Death of the Old Gods, and it's uh, oh, it nice. really Sounds neat. portentous. Um, oh, but also Cyborg. Uh, my sister yeah. has a copy mm-hmm. of Cyborg. Cyborg I, looks like, dope as I shit. I leafed through it while I was at their house over Christmas, and uh, it looks fucking rad. I've played that with Dave. Uh, it's actually pretty fun. Yeah. So... I don't know. I feel like I have a very like specific taste in tabletop <laughs> games, and it's like, oh yeah, the rules are like, man, you fucking like look at the book. I don't give a shit. And just, you know. <laughs> it's all about mood. Yeah. It's be, all about atmosphere. Be rad. Yeah. Be rad or go home. Ah man. Uh, was, uh, I think that uh, this year is going to be my least like tabletop gaming year of. I mean, since I moved back to Memphis and started hanging out with Stan, uh, mm. I do. I mean, I do not have anything that I personally want to bring to the table. I've got some other things that uh, are probably going to like eat up almost all of my free time that are exciting. Um, so I don't got anything for this question, other than like. I guess that bullshit backdoor brag or whatever I just did. So <laughs> I'll, I'll say I, like, yeah, beg and plead and cajole and like waterboard you into finishing OGE at some point. Yeah. At some point, at some point, probably I, not this year though. Uh, a game that I'm really excited about, um, that I want to check out, but probably will not run is uh, swords of the serpentine. Weird. Looks really cool. Vasistas based on gumshoe. As I understand, um, and it's, uh, basically a city that's sinking in a swamp. And, um, as the city sinks, they just keep building on top of it. So okay. there's this like kind of built in like labyrinth underneath of all the old buildings. That's dope as shit. And, um, there's a lot of, uh, interesting components to it, but I, I encourage you to look it up. The, uh, the creators can uh, sell it better than I can, but okay. Well, 
Is that Astronomica, Chastronomica 5 concluded? No, I want to have a conversation. Oh, um, a, uh, a good listener uh, question that we, we didn't get to, which I feel like would be a, a nice um, cap hmm. uh, from, from Dale. I noticed this earlier when I was looking through the list. Um, why can't you guys ever use the connect skill properly? Yeah. <laughs> because you are... Uh, we start our adventures uh, right when you land at a place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we really never have quite enough time for that to be like a viable... Mm-hmm. Thing I object to the I, term. I hate wasting a focus on it, but it is really funny to uh, me now. I just want to say I object to the term "you guys." <laughs> I feel like I have a grasp on it and how it works. Mm-hmm. I didn't take it, mm-hmm. so but I, uh, yeah. I used, feel, do feel free next time I ask. Next time I ask you what you do, feel free to say. I hang out for two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. a, that's a yeah. perfectly valid answer. At this point, I am trying to use connect. Uh, purely to provoke from Stan the response where he sits silently and inhales deeply for just a second before he starts talking. I mean, okay, like legitimately our last pickle would have been an excellent opportunity to use Connect, which is reaching yeah. out to all of our previous, you know, relationships yeah. to find support. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that's like pretty, you know, yeah, I think you have a lot of old friends racing to the rescue. Mm-hmm. Uh, too late to help. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, you said you had a conversation you wanted to have. Yeah. A stern um, talking to. Mm. Yeah, I do. Uh, I want to know more about Chris. <laughs> you want to know about me? Yeah. What do you want to know about me? Um, why are um, you better than Katrina? <laughs> I'm not, because Katrina is yeah, completely know. awesome. Katrina is awesome. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, love, I do a thing uh, in my column uh, for the flyer, uh, Memphis, the Memphis Flyer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've uh, never seen it, where I get people that to watch movies mm-hmm. that they've never seen. But it, uh, but they have to be like, yeah, because there's lots of movies you haven't seen. But right. they sure. need to be like a mainstream movie that you would expect that you would have seen. Absolutely. Yeah, it's got to be a big deal that you... Yeah, it's my, a it's a blind spot. My yeah. example, my example was always The Shining because I didn't see The Shining until well into the twenty first century. I actually mm-hmm. just yeah. watched The Shining for the first time like a couple of months. Yeah, ago. nice. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's amazing, isn't it? It's good. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. it's relevatory. But uh, I got Katrina do it and uh, with uh, Fury Road. Man, oh, Man, nice! Road. Hell oh yeah! God, how, and that's it was, my favorite movie. Of it all time. was amazing. <laughs> that's, yeah, and it was right when COVID started. Yeah. When, when uh, we did it, and and uh, that's I, that's probably the best one that I ever did because she did she just absolutely, and and because uh, uh, I remember her so her dad was a truck driver I think so mm-hmm, she really yeah. related to that aspect mm-hmm. of it which I thought was really interesting and of course she had you know she related to the to the feminist aspect of it a lot and uh, you know the exploding things you know because they blo- shit blows up yes. real good in that movie yeah. 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 it is real good beautiful yeah. explosion it's just like diesel fuel burning it's such like a rich like it's visually stunning because it's just like it. you can like see how like oily and just like intensely appropriate to the setting all of the like pyrotechnics are oh yeah fucking, it's, it's, it's just like it's fucking gorgeous it's beautiful um, Nary also, a CGI uh, flame in that whole movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I'll, I, um, 
Damn it. <clears throat> Along that line of thought, um, if you never got around to playing it, there was the Mad Max video game that came out immediately following oh, yeah. Fury Road, hmm. uh, which like has a lot of shortcomings. Uh, I still find it just, like incredible and very entertaining, but it captures that aspect of the film very, very well. It's a gorgeous mm-hmm. game, but like the vehicular combat, when you like, you know, fucking like shunts a car into an oncoming semi and it explodes and there's like the big like gouts of diesel flame and like tires and you know fucking suspension parts flying in the air it just like if for whatever else that game lacked in like depth or content yeah <laughs> just smashing cars with your car and then like the very satisfying results of that are just worth the playthrough i'm sure it's like 10 bucks there on steam now is, that's, that's all you need there's a there there yeah that's all you need really yes yeah it's a really i i really loved that game when it came out a quantity of oily flames has a quality all its own <laughs> oh yeah um i have a question for chris mm-hmm. shoot just who if, do you think you are? Who the fuck do you think? Where you are? do you get off? If you could be a tree, usually, in your I, I what kind a, of tree? I, I would be. Would a, be? I would be a banyan tree thrusting my multiple trunks deep into the yielding earth. Mm. <laughs> nice, hot damn! That was well, that was well executed. <laughs> out, that, that, that question has been thought about. <laughs> yeah, uh, I rehearsed that one. Uh, Since you're not a tree, where do you thrust your multiple trunks? <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to plead the fifth on that one. <laughs> Fair enough. Hey, it's me, the Earth. <laughs> <laughs> say, baby, you want some fuck? <laughs> Did you say making girl. trunk? <laughs> um, so, but that was your, was that your question? Yeah, I was just okay. goofing around. <laughs> um, is there uh, an aspect of this game or, or some facet of this system or something sci-fi related uh, that, that piques your particular interest that you're excited about? I, I will say about uh, Stars Without Numbers specifically, I found it really intuitive. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, uh, when I, like, once we started playing, I felt like I just knew what to do, when to do it. And I think that mm-hmm. when I'm starting a role playing game or something, like, the feeling of I don't know what to do at, the, at this moment, yeah. like, takes me out of it. But I've always felt like I knew, I knew what was happening next, and, you, know, mm-hmm. you know, or at least the procedure of the game and stuff. It's the um, uh, anti Starfinder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, I I started playing. The reason I started playing role playing games in the first place was uh, ET, basically. D and D and ET. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I grew up in a small town, and we play. I played Dungeons and Dragons, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, with some friends, but very rarely. And I was also grew up in a like a, a fundamentalist uh, Christian household. But to my mom's credit, she never gave me a ha- any hassle about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but 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 there weren't a lot of people in my community who wanted to 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 play you mm-hmm. know and then uh i played in college some a little bit uh i'm a musician i got into the music scene and didn't do anything else for many years and then kind of when i uh got sick of it and hated it and hated everybody there and all okay. and the whole idea of trying to be a rock star uh i started playing i had some friends and i started playing D D again with yep. them and i played for we had we played for a little while and we kind of rotated around DM, and then it came to me, and I ended up being the DM mm-hmm. um, for a good three years, I guess. Uh, and 
I really enjoyed it a lot. Uh, the John Rogers who wrote uh, Leverage, the, oh, the yeah. showrunner on Leverage, yeah, he once said that that being a dungeon master or doing or you know game master in general is mm-hmm. like the best preparation you could possibly have for writing uh, TV. Oh, interesting. Fucking A. Uh, yeah, I, I absolutely believe that. But but one of the, the things that I really felt like I learned in that whole arc was, like, I started out trying to really, um, like, have detail. Well, I'm a writer, so I wanted, like, plot, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I tried to, like, oh, I have this really detailed plot. And, of course, that, you know, that falls apart, like, after the first roll. Yeah. You know? And, like, mm-hmm. and... It, the, it and so then to try and force the matter, I ended up sending my party through like a Mines of Moria type situation where they had to go underneath a mountain. So I was like, yeah. "You don't have any choices. You're going mm-hmm. down my tunnel." Uh-huh. Yeah. But then that does not seem rewarding either. Right? Sure. Uh, so then they got out the other side, but but it I had some lag there because you know really when you're doing. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of prep. I mean, and oh, I, write, yeah. I write for a li- I was not writing for a living then, and I write for a living now, so I don't have the brain juice right. to be able to do all that. So, you know? I feel like if you want to tell a story with your tabletop RPG, mm-hmm. okay, and this isn't a super well developed thought, but um, well, it's perfect with for me. this podcast, then. fucking a right. <laughs> <laughs> I think that you need to tell the story of a community. Mm-hmm. And you need to have your players already, you know, immersed in that community mm-hmm. before session one. And I, I feel like one of the one of the really good ways to like start a game is okay. This is the setting, and this setting, and then you decide what the population of that place is. Mm-hmm. Is it a small town? Is it a small city? Is it a big city? Is it a metropolis? And then you can tell your your characters you have a choice to be from here or from someplace else. If you're from here, you're probably going to know, I mean, depending on the size of the community, everybody else who's from here. And I think that, like, most people... Not most, but like, you know, at least half the people in your group are going to be like, yeah, I'm from there. And uh, then you have, there's a very human thing where we're like invested in the like well-being of our home. And so if, uh, if people are, you know, if their lizard brain is already invested in the well-being of this fictional place, then uh, your story is off the ground already. Mm-hmm. You know, the, like there are stakes there. Well, I mean, so how do you do that? Do you run like a like a zero level like thing in the where they have to defend the town or something? Or? Uh, I mean, I feel like what you do is you just ask them to imagine. Okay, look, you're in this uh, you're in this place. You're from this place, um, and you know, in stars without number, you a lot of decisions are made at the rolling process mm-hmm. <laughs> at the rolling up your character. You know. Picking foci, things like that. You have them roll up their character, and then you you say to them, "You're from this place. Uh, this place is a, for instance, a small town. So your character can be anything that might reasonably exist in a small town. You can run a gas station. 
You can be a cop. You can be a civil engineer. You can be a small town politician. You can be a drug smuggler. You can be a drug smuggler. <laughs> he already you, said small town politician. Right. <laughs> you can you can have a meth lab. You know, I mean, it, whatever you choose should probably be informed by what you rolled and the kind of character that you created. But you know, um, and then you know they tell you who they are and what they are to the community, and uh, that also gives you as a game master a sort of like. It lets you know where to start, like, uh, having little threads standing off the sweater in unsightly ways that you just want to pull at. So yeah. you pull at that fucking thread and mm -hmm. see what happens. And, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think that's a good way to do things. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, similar to that, I think the trick is to provide a rich environment and then... Um, react to what the players do. So, yep. Emergent story. Yep. The villain well, is that's, the that's guy. What who... I, that's kind of what I ultimately did. Mm -hmm. Was uh, in in the, my campaign was uh, I I had an area that I called the Thousand Islands, and I put them on a pirate ship. Yeah, and like I knew. And I had it gave them goals. Oh, they they fought Kiss is what they did. <laughs> Fucking right. A. Oh yeah. They were, Finally, they were someone like high level demons. Yeah. Right. It was, so it was they, the era. Yeah. They had to go find like the you know the four members of Kiss mm -hmm. in the Thousand Islands with this pirate ship. Mm -hmm. Fucking A. And uh, and I had so, I've seen that mural on a van. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But so, I think, so isn't that a Kiss album? <laughs> I, maybe. But but so like I had. Here are like the islands that matter to the plot, kind of, you know. And then it, the other islands, they would if they would roll up on an island, I would just like you know improvise. It would just be random. Mm -hmm. I would like I don't know what's on this island. You know, here's a manticore. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Sure, sounds fun. But but it got to the point where they figured this out, and it was like if they saw me taking papers out, they would be like, oh, he's taking this is important. He's right. taking papers out, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know. But that that ultimately was really turned out to be really. The best way to do it, and the best like just just is what you were saying, mm -hmm. you know. But uh, the uh, you know we had a really good we had a we had a good time. They 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 killed Kiss. One of the most interesting. Nice. <laughs> they did. They they finally made it. And then I was like, and by that point, I was like, I'm I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. But that's the last time I. That DM. is also part of the game. Yeah. No, it's like yeah. I don't want to DM anymore. Yeah. You know, I I would though. I would I would I would DM a Stars Without Number. Game, I would do. Uh, I would do it now. Except, like I said, like you know, I I spend my brain juice like writing for a living. So right. it's like, yeah, I wish I had the brain juice to spend on it right. and the time too. Me too. How did they? Uh, <laughs> how did they kill Gene Simmons? I mean, was it picturesque? Was it hanging know? with his own tongue? <laughs> uh, oh, you know how that? You know what that ended up being? I, uh -huh. I have a very vivid memory of that. Is they fought. All of his minions off while the druid uh, spent the full like ten tur ten turns uh, casting like call lightning. Nice, oh nice, so, fucking so that so they literally like the every turn he was like still <laughs> casting. <laughs> That's awesome. Nice. Hell yeah! Uh, that just that just reminded me. I, I ran a game uh, called Amazing Tales, which is like a very uh, uh, streamlined and simplified uh, role playing game. It's designed for younger kids with my kids, and uh, it was a. Pi they were on a pirate ship, and there were hundreds of isles. Um, but every one, like I just pulled something from Ulysses, 
uh, uh, the Odyssey to uh, so like uh, not James Joyce. No, yeah, not James <laughs> Joyce. No, there's a lot less uh, stream of consciousness. <laughs> a lot less stream of consciousness. Yeah, sorry. Uh, Odi- uh, the Odyssey. Uh, uh, but so my older daughter uh, had like read a, like excerpts from it in in her class, and then she came up. She was like, Dad. You totally ripped off everything in our game. Yeah. <laughs> Great artists borrow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, good artists borrow. Great artists steal. steal. I'm a great artist. That's right. Um, but she was actually pleased because it meant she already knew the material, so she didn't yeah. have to study anything. Nice. Uh, helpful. Helpful. Yeah, indeed. so she can, on her book report, she can say how many hit nice the Cyclops had. <laughs> Um, well, she never engaged in combat with the Cyclops. She actually ended up uh, befriending it and That's nice. making it an ally. That's nice. Do I not also destroy my enemy if I'm making my friend? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lincoln. Deep. Yeah. Uh, I had my, my pirate ship, I... Because it got really... There was a lot of death in this game, and uh, I had like... 70 people on the pirate ship or something <laughs> but they were all named dave with like mm-hmm. different last names like in buckaroo bonsai how they were all oh, nice. big booty yeah so it was the same kind of thing but they all ended up there was one of them that made it through the whole thing and mm-hmm. became like a real character and his his name was dave love hangover <laughs> and just because i had a single of like love hangover and i was because i got to the point where i was like because i had index cards for like mm-hmm. each dave you know, and 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 it was like I, I have tried to come up with new names, and it was just like I was going through my record collection. You know? Right, <laughs> Love, Dave Love Hangover, but Dave Love Hangover like ended up being like a big like hero, like NPC hero of the whole the whole thing. Listeners, being like I think he ended up like being captain of the pirate ship by default because he was the only pirate who was still alive from the beginning. Nice, and listeners should uh, keep an ear out for Dave Love Hangover. Dave Love yeah, Hangover, yeah. make an appearance in the near future. Uh, Excelsior. 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 Hey, everyone. Uh, that's the end of our episode for this week. I just want to say thank you guys so much for listening. We really appreciate it. You know, it just really means a lot that there are folks out there that have stuck around this far. want to give a big thank you to Jackson Seib, who composed our music. It is a beautiful piece of music, and we hope one day to be the show that lives up to it. Damn right. And if you want to know more, or maybe not know more, but Ooh. just touch us in a different kind of way, go to www.astronomicapodcast.com, and there you will find a permanent not in expiring not inspiring i know that is that is accurate (laughs) not expiring invitation to our discord where most of us spend the majority of our non-podcast social interacting time we have different channels we usually participate in nanorimo there are community one shots that are open to all to run and participate in every month that's where we run the Patreon one-shots, which if you are generous enough to contribute some money, we have uh, special cast-included one-shot episodes there. And just a general all-around good time with a wacky bunch of malcontents. Lots of memes and gifts, which is why anyone's on the internet, really. Yep. And uh, if you want to support us, 
You can check us out at patreon.com slash astronomica podcast. If you don't want to fund the growth of global communism, you can instead just give us a five-star review uh, on the podcast app of your choice, provided five is the most. (laughs) (laughs) If there are anywhere, there are ten stars, like at least an eight. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'd say we're a Memphis eight. (laughs) (laughs) They say a Memphis eight is a New York bad podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And on that note, thank you guys for listening, and we will catch you next week. Goodbye forever. Oh, wait. Hey, Jeff. Yes. Hey, do, yes, you, do you prefer tapes or CDs? I prefer CDs. <laughs> well, I was going to tape my dick to your forehead so you can see these nuts. <laughs> <laughs>